electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, and I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. On today's episode, the market's still digesting Friday's blowout jobs report, the data and the Fed's rate hiking cycle with economist Mohamed Alarian. The economy is very strong now, and that's why you wanted to get the hikes out of the way. I worry that we may end up hiking into a weakening economy, and that would be unfortunate. Two global powers, the entire American public, and one big balloon. What China's spy efforts mean for diplomacy with Council on Foreign Relations member Michelle Caruso Cabrera. We're supposed to be in the middle of a diplomatic reset with China. If this is how China does a diplomatic reset, how much can you believe their business reset? Those conversations plus changes afoot for Twitter and for its leader, Elon Musk. Did it used to be only people that you follow? Now it defaults to for you, and it just gives me stuff that I didn't ask for. It's Monday, February 6th, 2023, and Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And let's take a look at what's been happening with U.S. First up today on the podcast, Friday's blowout jobs report reverberating across the economy. For the month of January, U.S. payrolls increased by 517 thousand, a stunning number way over analysts' expectations of 187,000. The unemployment rate fell to 3.4%, the lowest since May of 1969. As you might imagine, President Biden did a bit of a victory lap, and there's probably more of that to come in this week's State of the Union address. We have created more jobs in two years than any presidential term, than any time in two years. That's the strongest two years of job growth in history by a long shot. As my dad used to say, a job's about a lot more than a paycheck. It's about your dignity. And 12 million more Americans get up every morning knowing they can provide for their families with the dignity and sense of self-worth that have been missing. What seems like good news has sparked worry among investors. After seeing the slew of new jobs added in January, the markets fell on fears that the Federal Reserve will keep on raising rates to tamp down on inflation and ultimately damage the health of the labor market. Now, the Fed has raised its benchmark interest rate eight times since March of 2022. Just two days before the jobs report, Fed Chair Jay Powell defended the latest rate increase and noted the jobs market is still, quote, extremely tight and that inflation remains high. I still think, I continue to think, that there's a path to getting inflation back down to 2% without a really significant economic decline or a significant increase in unemployment. 
Our own Jim Cramer said Powell is staying the course, trying to stick a soft landing for an economy pressured by inflation and geopolitics and subpar growth last year. The other day I said that those who thought that that Powell cut interest rates later in the year, I called them clowns. And that wasn't fair. What I really should have said is that they're chowderheads. Because it's really incredible to me that there were morons so stupid to believe that this man would say we need a couple of rate increases and they doubted him. What do they know? I mean, he obviously had a sense that the economy is red hot still. The central bank has insisted it uses economic data to inform its hike decisions. And the economic data from the Labor Department, well, that could mean inflation is here to stay, at least for a while. It's a tough pill to swallow for those chowderhead investors hoping for a hike pause. Andrew and Rick Santelli discussed the dilemma on our TV broadcast last week. Is it possible you could actually have this type of job growth, this type of unemployment, and actually see inflation come down at the same time. Everybody says uh, from the Fed on the guidance, a pause. Oh my goodness, if we pause before we really have thinking, we think we've slayed inflation, that it's going to resurface, it's gonna reignite, it's gonna reappear. You know, I don't think inflation is like erythromycin where you have to finish your whole prescription uh, be- before you're fully cured. Okay, you're caught up. Let's get back to Joe Kernan. After the jobs report, I'm, I, I, we're at the high end of the range. We're, we're still not above really the high end of the range. Did you see oil? Oil was 73. down by 8%. But we're below the low end of Natural the range. Natural gas was below, down by 23%. I'm a Kramer clown. I'm one of the clowns. I think that this is a, re, that, you saw him on Friday saying anybody who thinks that we oh, should. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. So I, I, I think I'm a clown. I, I, I've got to get a red nose and, and put it on because I just. Makeup. I, I guess maybe I'm a Santelliite, a, a Santelite, what is that? Where I'm not convinced that a strong job market is the problem in terms of inflation. Because the wages, if you, if you just have a lot of people employed, and it, Brian Sullivan put out a chart, did you see that? Where we are now barely above where we were pre-pandemic, yeah. total number of yeah, people working. You don't have to be, though. You don't have to be what? No, meaning you don't have to. You don't have to believe. The question is what? It's not what you believe or well, somebody mar- else believes. Well, it's- I believe the market. I don't care what Jay Powell believes. I believe the markets are telling. After that's what I. The that's equity I, markets in January and the bond markets still. The, the two year barely got back above where it was. I don't know, but I don't understand. I don't understand. Because I don't a, believe him. There's a human him. being that doesn't matter. Who, He's wrong. Who, who, he was wrong about he, it in, he on the way wrong, in. But he can be wrong, and therefore you he still have an impact. It, but he, if if he could, that's the point. If he could, he'd like to avoid killing the economy. He would really like to avoid raising unemployment. If you didn't have an inflationary the one, the one problem, the thing is, if you can it. convince people to come back into the workforce, if we can find more of those, starting workers, to happen. Be a very good starting thing. to happen. Is, these could be revised lower. Well, that, there are a million jobs that were revised lower last year. We don't know if, if these are going to be revised lower. And then if you, if you, th- I think a lot of the inflation was the pandemic reopening and, and supply chain, right? And oil. If you think that the long-term answer to our energy problem is to just constantly weaken demand. Oh, we're going to handle that. We're going to kill the economy. So I don't use it. You got to go the other way. You got to get more of it. Not right. You got to you got to do the the supply side. Oil is still the wild card. You got to do the supply, not the demand impact. Yeah, but you can't permanently try to hurt global demand 
Jeff, just to Jeff keep oil prices low. This idea that we are going to see much higher oil prices as China reopens, that this is going to be the thing that comes back right. and catches you. So if right. you see and with the war still going on. From energy. Stupid yeah. war. Okay, let's end this thing. Agree. Please. Agree. But, but there's a but but you're saying all of these things, you're like, I want it to end, I want this to happen. <laughs> but that, but not, but you can't do anything about it. It's but there weird. is one person who okay, can let actually me ask do you something this. about it do if you they want to. And I believe that there's psychology and you every smart person that, that knows about him and the Fed yeah, says the same thing. Yeah. Why aren't they, buying, why aren't they uh, selling bonds? Then? Why aren't they getting the 10-year higher? Those are the smart people, the, the academics that are listening to him and think, here, what, what was I was going to say? Oh, no. Well, I was going to actually come up with something else, too, but I, now, now I, I, I forgot. But I don't, I just, I can't believe that we've got to, like, raise unemployment to you got to kill the economy to fix it that really what you want to do see what happens with i'm not saying it's, what, it's not what i want. oh no I, I know what i was gonna say here's what i was gonna say do you do you believe it yes. was a pandemic reopening supply chain caused inflation or do you really believe that we stimulated too much during the pandemic through too much money at yes too few yes. goods. Do you really? Do you think that's what it is? Every, nothing in life is black and white. See, it's if all we really, if it was really M two and the Fed, you know, being asleep at the switch and Congress, you know, trillions of dollars of spending, if that's really what's causing the inflation, then I wouldn't be bragging about the great job numbers tomorrow. You know, because you because sure. it came so with this you're, horrible. You're just trying to get everybody coming and going. I got you. No, no, I'm just saying that either you own the inflation that goes along with the, the good jobs numbers, or you say no, inflation's not a problem. My job numbers are great, and the Fed should just back off a little bit. But I that's what he is saying. I think it's so, a no bit. Biden. They're saying they don't. They, I think, I think behind the scenes they might. Sure, be saying behind that. the but scenes I, but there. I, but, but I think it's a combination of all those things, right? In reality, I, I it's actually not see. Or. I should be arguing my side is that oh, the Democrats spent so much money, you know, the deficit. But by the way, but I'm really not. I'm saying that it's supply chain related and it's not systemic. For, for his purposes, yeah. he would be much happier. Frankly, I think if the economy was not as hot as it is right this second, because the chances are that if there is a recession, it, gets, it keeps getting pushed out, is the economy, not is happening Andrew, is, sooner. Is the economy that way, hot? you actually want it to reverse. Is the economy that hot, or is it just that we're finally getting back to people coming back in the workforce, participation rates going up again, we're back to where we were? Participation the chart, rate was impressive. We're just back to, on a chart to where we should have been if there was no pandemic. I don't know if we're rip-roaring right now. You talk to Barry Sternlich, he thinks we're you know, ready to fall off a cliff. So there's enough, and, and I, I, my only point is, I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm a clown. I'm looking at the 10-year and the two-year and thinking there's a reason that just strong jobs don't equate to systemic inflation that you need to kill the economy for. But then the higher 10-year, back above 3.6. 3.6? I know, but it's coming. The two years at 4.2, is it, it's supposed to go I, to 5.5. But I understood the argument more. 5.5? 3.4, we almost fell below 3.4. Again, a few days. I'm going to go to, I'm going to be like Arthur, whatever, that whole guy Arthur in the Brooks. 70. Yeah. No, Arthur Burns. Ar Arthur yeah, Burns. <laughs> yeah. No, Montgomery Burns and Arthur Brooks. Yes. No, I'm going to be like him and, and be wrong and, and, you know, I'm going to let inflation out of the bag and it's going to last for 10 years. We'll see. We are watching some other things here, too, including diplomatic tensions rising between the United States and China over a Chinese spy balloon that was spotted over the United States and shot down by an American fighter plane over the ocean. We want to get over to Eamon Javers with the latest on this front. Eamon, good morning.
Good morning, Becky. You know, in the end, it took just one F-22 fighter jet and one Sidewinder missile to bring down that Chinese balloon. Uh, but now the domestic political blowback from this and the international geopolitical blowback from this all play out. And we'll see where all that lands. Republicans criticizing the Biden administration saying, hey, wait a second. You waited until after the Chinese balloon had left the continental United States in order to shoot it down. The Chinese angry with the United States, the United States canceling a diplomatic mission uh, to China, tensions rising between the two countries now. Uh, and all of this happening after Air Force pilots at about 58,000 feet firing up at this balloon, took it down. It landed in just feet of water off the coast of South Carolina. And now the United States intelligence community is going to try to recover that balloon and figure out what the heck it was doing here in the first place. Uh, one of the big mysteries in all this, guys, uh, is exactly why you need a spy balloon, you know, 1950s technology uh, here in the 2020s. Uh, presumably, it's either cheaper than a satellite or there are sensors on that balloon that are gathering information that you can't get with a satellite that's outside the atmosphere. So presumably uh, some atmospheric testing of some kind uh, might be part of this package. But they'll know a lot more when they recover that wreckage and figure out what the heck it was that the Chinese were doing anyway. Uh, meanwhile, a lot of finger pointing here in the United States, guys. Yeah, Eamon, I can uh, anticipate we're going to hear a lot more about it with the State of the Union coming just tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. For President Biden, you know, the White House uh, pointing out that there have been Chinese balloons over the United States previously, including uh, during the Trump administration. I think you're going to see the president uh, take some credit for this uh, politically uh, tomorrow in terms of having shot down the balloon, uh, but also in terms of waiting until it was over the ocean and safely, you know, not over anyone's house when they brought it down. This was a large Thing. They're saying it was about the size of three buses put together. Mm -hmm. So this is a big object. You don't want that kind of thing falling from the sky in any uh, populated area at all. Mm -hmm. So they waited until there was no risk. Uh, as they said in Top Gun, uh, there was no danger. I had the target and I took the shot. Eamon, thank you. The jury has found Elon Musk not liable for losses suffered by investors. This after he tweeted in 2018 that he had secured funding to take Tesla private investors. You might remember had sued Musk, Tesla and the company's board, arguing that his statements had devastating financial consequences for them. But in a federal civil trial in San Francisco, lawyers for Musk argued that he was such a successful businessman that he could have easily obtained financing to take Tesla private. The federal judge had already ruled that Musk's funding secured statement was untrue. But the jurors found that Musk's statements did not cause the investors losses. Now, separately, Musk tweeted an update on Twitter yesterday. He said, quote, last month were last uh, three months were extremely tough, as had to save Twitter from bankruptcy while fulfilling essential Tesla and SpaceX duties. Wouldn't wish that pain on anyone. Twitter still has challenges, but is now trending to break even if we keep at it. Public support is much appreciated. Musk later clarified that Twitter is, quote, definitely not financially healthy yet, but is trending to be so. Twitter and Musk did not immediately respond to CNBC's request for comment. Get a little more careful with the tweets. On uh, funding secured was the first one. Now it's like trending towards, but then qualifying that with, okay, we're nowhere near it. I see a heck of a lot of ads on I do too. mine now. I, I actually fell for some of them. I bought some stuff before the holidays. I was a little disappointed with some of the stuff. I well, and that's probably going to happen more for you.
now. And he's got some new, I don't know if you saw some news, there's some, he's got some new advertisers, not new advertisers, but Anheuser-Busch and a couple of the big advertisers that typically advertise on the Super Bowl are doing takeovers on Twitter. Yeah. And some of them had sort of scaled back prior, so that's actually a good sign. Did it used to be, this is, uh, did I miss something? It, did it used to be only people that you follow would come? Now the, it, it defaults to for you, and it just gives me stuff that I, I didn't know. ask for. I like some So what of they're it. trying to do there is... Do they know what I like? Well, they're trying to follow the sort of TikTok algorithm style kind of thing, which is to say that a lot of people onboard onto Twitter. One of the biggest problems with Twitter is they onboard onto Twitter and they don't follow enough people or they only follow five or ten people. And so they're not getting served yep. constantly new information. I don't the TikTok method, which I think we all learned, I don't know if it's better or not, but it's a better mousetrap, is to use an algorithm, yep. try to keep serving you stuff, that whether you, whether you like, yeah. technically you follow them or not. So they've moved people over there. I, for the most part, stick on the people you're following. But yeah, I also I follow, I follow like a thousand people. people so I only follow hundred It people. works okay. I don't like following people. If I, if I, I don't want too much information, and I already follow. But let me say, by if the way, I talk about it, toe fungus, am I going to get an advertisement for it? Uh, you might. I will say, <laughs> by the way, phone. you got to huh? get on the wait clearly. list though for it because it's not toe available. Toe fungus, um, such a big problem, itching right now. Kevin Systrom, who founded, oh my god, you're in, uh, yep. Kevin Systrom, who founded um, Instagram, has started a new service called Artifact, which just just literally is like in beta now, and it is rocking. Social media network? It's, an, it's for news. For people who are interested in headlines and news, it's like the, I just got on it. Like it's a weird fabulous name. mousetrap. Sounds like you're finding old stuff. Why, why Artifact? Why is it called Artifact? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. But it's, it's, it's it, to me, it, it blows all this other stuff away. What, are you invested in this thing or something? No, I, you know, I try to get into, to follow this stuff early and I'm telling you, this thing is it like, to me, the next thing. Wanted full disclosure. Check it out. You certainly like it a lot. I do. Cheese will be next. Up next on Squawk Pod, Allianz advisor and renowned economist Mohamed Alarian. The Fed's rate hikes behind us and the ones still ahead. I would have preferred that they do 50 basis points and then wait and see. They didn't. I suspect we have two more 25 basis points ahead of us. We'll be right back. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Friday's strong jobs report has economists questioning their forecasts for a weak first quarter, and they're rethinking just how close and how inevitable a recession may be. If the job market is really this strong, 
it's hard to imagine the economy being really that weak. Over the weekend, Larry Summers, who was Treasury Secretary under Bill Clinton, said on CNN that he's encouraged by the recent jobs data. He took it to mean the Fed can pull off a soft landing, but he warned it's a big mistake to think the economy is out of the woods, and it's a, quote, tragedy if the central bank doesn't finish the job on inflation. Here's Becky Quick. Joining us now for more on the markets is Mohamed El Arian, Allianz and Gramercy advisor and president of Queens College, Cambridge. And um, Mohamed, looking at what Larry Summers had to say earlier, he said that this may be the most complicated economy he's ever had to try and read. Where do you come down on that? The jobs number on Friday really surprised a lot of people. So he's absolutely right. And something that we have discussed um, on many Mondays is that we have significant uncertainty on three key issues. One is the way the economy functions. We can talk and defend many different outlooks for the real economy over the course of the year. Two, inflation. I can think of three possible scenarios for inflation. And then finally, policy and the disagreement between the markets and the Fed. So there is an, an unusual level of uncertainty, and then it feeds on to the structural uncertainty we've been talking about. The energy transition, the rewiring of supply chains, the change in globalization. So I completely agree with Larry. It is a very difficult economy to read, and we have to get our head around the notion that there are many potential outcomes, and no one can convince you with a high level of conviction and foundation that one will prevail. We just don't know, Becky. So what do you do? Where are you going to throw your hat? So first, if you're a portfolio manager, you think a lot more about the tails. You don't ignore the tails as thin and very unlikely. You think a lot more about the tail. You don't just position yourself for the baseline because the baseline is less probable. As an economist, you, th you take a lot of time going through the data in major, major details because that is what's going to show you. Um, I think the service sector is probably the most important sector to understand today. Okay. Um, in terms of what you think the Fed is going to do, how much more complicated did it just get? I mean, Jay Powell was sounding a little dovish last week before we got these jobs numbers, but uh, you, you look at the jobs number, my guess is they're game on again in terms of higher rates. Yeah, you know, he said disinflation 11 times during the press conference, 11 times. That word wasn't mentioned a single time by the ECB president or the governor of the Bank of England who spoke the following day. Um, and he gave the market the perception of a hard turn towards soft landing. And then we got the Friday report. So, so he's going to have to decide whether he wants to clarify tomorrow um, where he see, sees things going. Look, you know that I would have preferred that they do 50 basis points and then wait and see. They didn't. I suspect we have two more 25 basis points ahead of us. Um, and my, my major concern is the possibility that they end up hiking into a weakening economy. The economy is very strong now, and that's why you wanted to get the hikes out of the way. I worry that we may end up hiking into a weakening economy, and that would be unfortunate. Where where is the economy showing signs of cracking? Where 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 did where does it happen and when does it happen? So the forward-looking indicators are the reason why some people, not me, some people predict inflate recession with a hundred percent probability. I'm not there. You know that I've said it over and over again. 
Um, there is nothing predestined about a recession. But if you look at a small set of forward indicators, the forward indicators themselves, the leading indicators themselves, the PMIs, manufacturing in particular, the layoffs that we're hearing um, of, you can make a case for a significant slowdown. That is what people are looking at. But you can't deny the strength of the labor market. And that's why people like me say, you know what, it's not a done deal by any measure that will end up in a recession. Mohammed, what did you take away from that jobs number just in terms of what's happening? Is this the that people are coming back into the workforce because the government's not paying people to stay home anymore? Is this that, you know, there, there is much more strength in the economy than we anticipated, that the hundreds of thousands of layoffs we've seen in the tech sector, that those people are getting picked up somewhere else or that they're on, you know, they're they're on they're, they're still getting paid for a while. So those numbers haven't come through. Yeah, I think it's a lot. I think most of the layoffs that, that have been announced haven't come through yet. Um, and you see this in, job, in weekly jobless claims. They simply haven't come through. That's going to happen in the next few months. Look, I, I think let's look at what's, what's really positive and it's not talked about enough. And that is labor force participation went up. As you said, more people came back into the labor market. That is the solution. You know, Joe and I don't tend to agree on very much, but we totally agree on the supply side. We totally agree that that holds the key to good things happening going forward. And labor force participation is very important. Um, the wages element is a puzzle. It's a real puzzle. Labor force participation isn't going up fast enough to explain why we only got a 0.3% increase in monthly wages. So keep an eye on that because that's critical for the inflation dynamic. And the last issue I would say is keep an eye on the fact that the most dynamic element of our economy, services, is the low productivity element of our economy. So we can't lose sight of what's, hap what's not happening elsewhere in the economy. Meaning what? Meaning that we've got to think very clearly about supply side issues. We've got to be, we, ha we have, have to have a growth strategy for the non-services sector because we cannot simply rely on the services sector. And that's what we're doing right now. That is what's keeping this economy going. And that is wonderful. It's necessary, but it's not sufficient. So for those of us who look beyond 2023 and care about high inclusive growth, then we're spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to get the, not, the goods part of the economy buoyant again with productivity going up. And that speaks to things you've talked about a lot, infrastructure, deregulation, digitalization, green economy, digital economy, and we haven't got strategies for that as developed as you should have right now. Mohammed, thank you. Thank you, Becky. Next on Squawk Pod, the Chinese spy balloon above the United States shot down. The geopolitical strategy on both sides, plus the weight of public opinion. Member of the Council on Foreign Relations, Michelle Caruso Cabrera. One of the coldest days in February, and yet the parking lots were full, the beaches were full because everyone wanted to see this Chinese balloon. When Washington sees that, they know they have to react. So you saw this unanimously hawkish approach. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.
You're listening to Squawk Pod. Up and Andrew, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan, all back at the table together. Let's talk about China because tensions between the U.S. and China running high following, of course, the U.S. downing of that suspected Chinese spy balloon off the coast of South Carolina. For more on what investors should try to maybe look for as this whole story develops, Michelle Cruz de Cabrera, she's a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, CNBC contributor. And um, so much more. Rhodium Group's uh, founding partner, Daniel Rosen, is also joining us this morning. Thank you both. Uh, Michelle, I, I'm curious, your, your take on the, on the balloon. Is, this, is there more to this, you think, than, than meets the eye? Have we done things like this? Should we be furious? Should we, is this standard operating procedure? What is this? Well, I think when it comes to the investment community and the business community in the United States, Andrew, What is very significant about this balloon incident is that it caught the zeitgeist of the American public. It really codified for Americans who maybe were aware that we had tensions with the Chinese, really crystallized for them. You know, on Friday afternoon, CNN interviewed an independent videographer on Myrtle Beach, and he said the beaches were packed. It was one of the coldest days in February, and yet the parking lots were full, the beaches were full because everyone wanted to see this Chinese balloon. Why is that significant? Because when Washington sees that, they know they have to react. So you saw this unanimously hawkish approach, and this comes when there are three important things happening in Washington. What to do about TikTok? Is the U.S. going to start prohibiting Americans from investing in Chinese companies, and then also the China Select Committee. So all of those things are going to be impacted because of this balloon. Daniel, what do you think about that? To me, the, the interesting component part of this is, do you, does the U.S. prevent American companies from doing business in China rather than the opposite way around, which is, I think, how a lot of people have been thinking about it up until very recently? Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple things here. I mean, you, you asked the question, is there more to this? And I think one of the key questions is uh, how much more is there, right? This is not, China doesn't make a single balloon, right? China does things at scale. And I think the U.S. concern is that there's probably a whole fleet of these kinds of balloons uh, that we'll have to deal with all the time if we don't draw a really, really bright line around uh, this incident and make clear that this is just not acceptable. So that explains the, I think, extreme uh, reaction that uh, that we've seen. But in terms of who has leverage over who to threaten to pull back from conversation, I think that's absolutely clear right now. China needs geopolitical good news uh, much more than the U.S. does. China is on the cusp of uh, a debt crisis for local government uh, financing. And the IMF and its China Article 4 report put out a few days ago, which would have been uh, really front page news if it weren't for this balloon, has said that China's property uh, industry is already in crisis. And the concern in Beijing that global investors seeing yet more escalation in the geopolitics with the U.S. are that much more inclined to wait on the sideline or even more pull back further from China instead of buying into this good news uh, bounce. Uh, yeah. Did, did, did it, is, can you get anything from a balloon that you don't get from a drone or a satellite? Is it easier to go unnoticed? Did some go unnoticed over the last three or four years? We had no idea they were up there. Do you get decent info? Or yep. was this new? Was it a test of, of uh, President Biden and how he uh, how he look a, at it? What, could it deliver a yeah. 
a nuke that, that, that paralyzes our grid? Is it an offensive move? What, what are all the ramifications? What, what the hell's, what does it really mean? What were they doing? Well, I've done my best to come up with answers to some of those questions over the past couple of days, as we all have, no doubt. And I think, you know, just one example of the difference between this kind of device and a low uh, Earth orbit satellite, the, we know every Chinese satellite up there, and we know which 15 minutes of the day they will pass over a given part of the United mm. States because they're they're not okay. in stationary orbit. They're in circular orbits. And so they're not there the whole time. The concern, uh, uh, unmistakable concern in the U.S. national security community about this sort of a device is that it can, quote unquote, loiter. It can stay in one place for a prolonged for period of time and wait for something to come out from underneath a hangar. Yeah. Right. So there are some differences, I think. Look, there's really two things we're going to keep talking about here for a little while anyway. One is trying to understand why this was so concerning and problematic, and that's kind of looking looking uh, at the technology and all that. And the other one is, regardless of what we think of all those technological questions that we'll never probably fully understand if we're civilians, um, what is this going to do to um, the interest in getting back to business with China, right? And no matter what you think about the technical stuff, this is going to push. But the should we have shot it down where we could? News. There's deep sea divers in freezing cold waters, Michelle, trying to find this. Um, are we going to be able to? Should we have shot it down where we could have recovered all the stuff to see what they found out? Look, those are military questions, and obviously we haven't gotten a lot of answers from the military. If you watch the Pentagon briefings uh, over the last several days, they've been really withholding a lot of information. Um, so it, it's really tough to know at this point. What I will say is going back to the point that Dan was making, I mean, I, I would ask you this. We're supposed to be in the middle of a diplomatic reset with China. If this is how China does a diplomatic reset, how much can you believe their business reset, their much heralded pro-private sector? No, we're not going to beat up on the technology sector anymore. How much can you believe that when this is how they handle what's supposed to be one of the most important diplomatic resets that they're supposed to be going through with Anthony Blinken, our secretary of state, on the verge of going to, to uh, the first state visit in years. Jean Daniel, we got to leave the conversation there. It's a longer one. We're going to try to uh, figure it out, though. I think it's going to take some time to get to the bottom of all of uh, what's really happening here. I, I, we, we, I, I don't think we know. Have this, have they've been going unnoticed for years. Well, apparently, apparently there's been other balloons and, and the like. And it went all the way across, so we had no idea. No, I don't. I don't or know that they've gone down all the way through across. Texas. Like, and they they no, know that they've. We had so there were some in the Pacific space. near near Hawaii that were, were spotted. I think. And is China like they're the like well, who us? We're just this is for yeah, weather. Yeah, basically that was their response. And and then they 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 managed to come up with a little bit of outrage for having shot it. But down. not not as much as they're normally. Exactly. They usually are really good at that. So that that's probably telling telling too. I believe people go out to, to see that. I just, on my birthday, you know what you do after the balloons, you're finally done with them. Like, you, you let them go. Oh, yeah. And let them go. I thought, you know, who knows? Could have, did you see the other one? They've zoomed in on this one and it was, remember the baby Trump balloon that they had over in? <laughs> oh, I do remember the baby Trump. <laughs> they, that was a meme. That's the podcast for today. Thank you for listening. 
Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you're listening now. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.